Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiga, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free. The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America, and we need to defeat apocalypse. What's up, Familia? This is Dayspring. Today, we have a very special interview. We have Mondo sculptor Alex Brewer on the podcast. If you've been following along with what Mondo is doing, they're releasing one-six scale figures of the X-Men animated series, and they legit are next level. We had Wolverine that's already shipped. Flink has Wolverine, which he mentions in this interview. Magneto just went on sale and is sold out. And Magneto comes with a evil morph head. He comes with his one man's worth head, as well as a de-helmet head. He looks absolutely beautiful. I mean, the insane detail in these figures. We're going to get into it with Alex. We also have Gambit and Jubilee coming as well. And you best believe we talk about Jubilee's fairy tale head, which is coming with the Jubilee figure. It's this is such a great episode. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it. Before we dive into that interview, just a couple of news items. I got the Haslab Galactus in and Holy frack. He's gorgeous. It's like having a toddler. He's literally the size of a toddler. And I was going down to Miami because we just bought a loft down in Coconut Grove. And he was waiting for me when I got there. I mean, it was a perfect moving gift. He looks insane. He's bigger than the Sentinel. (laughs) He's like the Sentinel's little brother who's taller. It's kind of like a Buffy and Don situation there for those who get that Buffy reference. But he looks great. I have to tell you, he was well worth the money and I'm happy he's finally here. I was worried because I was moving. I was like, oh, I think I'm delivered to my old apartment. And if they deliver it to the loft, what is like the receiving situation like that? Because we don't have a doorman because because now we we're, we're no longer rental renters we own now. So now our building, you know, we're responsible for everything. And it just caused a lot of anxiety because you have to sign for it. But it's great. You know, there is another HasLab that's currently trying to get funding. And that's the Marvel Legends HasLab Engine of Vengeance. And uh, as of this recording, it has dropped to below 5,000. Actually, let's see where we're at here. We're at 4,883 backers, and there's five days left. I don't know how that works, guys. That's really upsetting. I, you know, there has been a lot of backlash to this. Obviously, this number was higher. I mean, the last episode we did, it was over 5,000. It had dropped, but it was still in the 5,000s. And now this is below 5,000. I don't know. You know, it's... There's so many thoughts going around the internet about this Haslab project, and I wish there wouldn't be. 
you know, it, it seems that everything in fandom has become really contentious. It's what was the scandal that's been happening recently in video games? Oh, the Bayonetta scandal. Oh my God. I can't, I can't even like pull myself away from all of those developments. Sidebar for those of you who don't know, the Bayonetta scandal is for Bayonetta 3. The voice actress Helena Taylor came out and said that they were only going to be paying her $4,000 to come back to the franchise and voice the character. But then it was kind of let known to Jason Schreier over at Kotaku. I don't know if he's still at Kotaku, but I actually worked with Jason when I was at Harper. But anyways, he got some documents that were like, no, it wasn't just $4,000. It was like $4,000 a session with a minimum of five. So you were actually getting 20, you know, it it, it just became such a, a huge scandal. Helena was saying to boycott the game and there were people who were virtue signaling saying that they that they they canceled their pre-order but then other people were like no there's so many people worked on this game for years and she wasn't being honest about it so it's just it's this ongoing debate and it's like wow i just want to play bayonetta 3 you know what i mean and there's this whole scandal associated with it similarly with the HasLab project, it's like, I just want to fund this HasLab. I just want to get the Engine of Vengeance. And I want to get my Madeline Pryor figure. So I don't know why there has to be so much contention behind this. But I don't know how this works. I know Flink and Daryl, we talked about it over at our Messiah Complex episode on X-Factor Files. We, ta- we talked about what happens when something doesn't get funded. Flink and Daryl would know the answer. I I just don't know. So you guys, let us know your thoughts. You can DM me at Power of X-Men. Let me know if you funded this, if you canceled your order. Some of you must have canceled your pre-orders because that is a significant drop since last time we saw it. And it's funny, I, I was at the Gorillaz concert in Miami and I was getting, shockingly, I was getting tipsy. But I was really really like feeling the moment and I was like you know what would make my life feel better about moving to Miami being at the Gorillas concert getting a Madeline Pryor figure <laughs> I was like I know this is ridiculous but I was like how cool would it be you know a year from now to open up a box get the engine of vengeance not kind of care about the car so but you know get Maddie and just hold her up and life is good kind of feel but you know, so so when I was at the Gorillas concert, I I dove into the I went into the HasLab site. I went to Hasbro's site, and I saw that we had dipped below five thousand. We have dipped even more now as of this recording. So tier, but you know what actually has put me in such a good mood? The Ant Man and Wasp Quantum Mania trailer. Kang looks amazing. I am so excited. For it, And for me to say that I'm excited for an Ant-Man movie, I mean, I think for anyone to say they're excited about an Ant-Man movie, we've sort of tolerated the Ant-Man movies because they're not bad. They're by no means poorly done. And Paul Rudd is so charming. He is such a charming, charming individual. Ant-Man has just felt like just, you know, filler for us. And, you know, I like Evangeline Lilly. And I was kind of iffy about Catherine Newton kind of coming in and playing Cassie, but she looked great. 
I am beyond excited for Jonathan Majors to return as Kang. You know, so let's see, let's see what 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 happens, what is delivered here. Obviously, this is going to set up secret wars. So, so we're really good. All right, guys. Well, I think that's all of the news items I wanted to tackle. Please enjoy our interview with Alex. It's so funny because we have been following you online for such a long time. And I'm pretty sure I have sent Flink some of your layouts before. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 the one that I'm like the biggest fan of, if you can't tell, for, for people who aren't watching us, I am wearing a John Byrne uh, She-Hulk shirt. So obviously huge fan uh, of your rendering of, of She-Hulk. Followed all of your designs for years now. No, oh, thank you. Um, I followed you guys uh, just as long, I think. Because <laughs> um, when I started my uh, posting my sculpts and stuff, that was when I pretty much started Instagram. And, you know, and I, you know, you guys started the Power of X-Men kind of around the same time. And, uh, and yeah, I've been following you uh, this whole time, too. <laughs> okay, there there is this one rendering you did of our god queen, Jean Grey, which we're going to ask about later on in, in, in this interview. But... I remember when I, I fell in love with your work right then and there because I always thought I was like they could never do Gene with a cerebral helmet. It seems impossible. Flink and I like terrorized Ryan Ting about it when he was on the podcast. And and you your layout with her, like an alternate head with the cerebro head already like molded in. <laughs> absolutely fucking perfect <laughs> that's how that's how you'd have to do it It'd have to be either like swappable hair or just a whole head but yeah it's absolutely iconic for for 90s gene as as like the backup cerebro user i mean you should probably have a fainting head as well because as soon as she takes ah, no! the cerebro helmet off you know you know her legs her legs are going to give out because it's just so exhausting <laughs> alex i am so sorry Flink, we have company. How dare you insult Jean Grey? How dare you? What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'll be. I'll play nice about Jean for for the rest of the for the rest of the episode. I promise. I promise. We're talking about movie Jean, right? The Famke Jansen. She she faints, but comic book Jean. I mean, okay. animated series Jean. She she you know. Fainting, tripping over electrical cords. She had, she had a, a, a tough time staying on her feet. Could that be because her powers are too strong and she's like picking up so <laughs> much that it overwhelms her? Thank you so much, Alex. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. <laughs> So, so, so from one iconic uh, redhead to another, another one of your, your renderings that I absolutely love uh, is, is April O'Neil, my, my OG fandom. I mean, obviously I loved the Ninja Turtles, but being a little gay boy in the late 80s, early 90s, it was obviously uh, all about uh, April O'Neil for me. What was sort of your inspiration for, for doing that one? Well, it's funny because, um, so April O'Neil is like, it's one of the first drawings I ever remember doing as a kid, like, cause there was a, there was like a local newspaper, uh, like submit your drawings contest. And I was probably like two or three, <laughs> but, uh, I remember I did, I drew an April O'Neil, um, cause I was so into Ninja Turtles and, yeah. and I loved April O'Neil. And, uh, and I remember it like kind of being the first time I felt good about a drawing. I was, it was the first time I was like, 
oh wow this this actually kind of looks the way i wanted it to and, and it got yeah. into the it won the got into the paper so uh yeah so april o'neill has always been like definitely a favorite character of mine um and yeah you know i, I was you know I, I collect like the the neca uh ninja oh, yeah. turtles uh, and i've got the super seven stuff um and you know there's like a lot of cool april o'neill stuff out there but you know i just wanted to try my hand at it and i love um uh peter chung's artwork so i was like looking at that and i follow him on instagram and i was looking yeah. at his concept art and i was like all right i gotta like i gotta try my hand at this so well you you nailed it and i i feel like you know there was nothing obviously the turtles are iconic but for me something that just that there's something about that yellow jumpsuit is just like <laughs> equally iconic visually to me yeah uh, as a bunch of 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 mutated uh fighting turtles for some reason i don't really know why no it's true it's uh, the, like the red hair the jumpsuit like and you know i think it's peter chung like he is like yeah is he just has you know he has the the artistic eye you know yeah for sure so Alex, we we know you love the X-Men, we know you love the Turtles. What were some of the other fandoms you had growing up? Um so yeah, so start so in the beginning it was definitely Turtles from like the age of 2 on like yes. you know, it was like I, I I saw a kid with a turtle ninja turtle on the playground and it was just like that's it. <laughs> um but so then so yeah, Turtles uh you know, kind of the usual stuff of that era, like, you know, real Ghostbusters, Star Wars, um, Transformers, uh, Batman the Animated Series, um, Power Rangers eventually, and then, of course, uh, X-Men. <laughs> oh, do we like Power Rangers here, Flink? Hmm, maybe, maybe. I mean, you literally just, just named, like, everything I was uh, obsessed with you know growing up we were watching the the same saturday morning cartoons reading the same comic books uh same. most definitely yeah um so were you collecting the toys alongside of of all of these things or like oh, what yeah. toys were you grabbing yeah, as, as was, a kid i was always a big a big toy guy so um yeah so it was like again it was like mostly i had ninja turtles uh star wars figures like the original kenner um figures for that would get at like antique stores and flea markets i was like always nice. on the hunt for those so like i didn't really do like power of the force but um but i did the originals um and uh let's see and then of course x-men like you know the the to those toy biz because i love the cartoon so much that you know i had to uh get my hands on those so do you remember your first x-men action figure i was gonna that's, ask that question that's, too that's yeah. what i was gonna ask yeah it was um i think it was cyclops um because because i really he was my favorite as a kid at the time um and yeah i had you know i'd always seen like cyclops with the like um with the the helmet like covering yeah. that's no he, where's the one where his hair's out like on the show and then i was in like a you know antique store and saw you know a cyclops that looked like on the cartoon i was like oh yeah there you go like and so that that like you know left an impression as the first the first one I always remember being like so confused by that first wave of like Toy Biz X-Men figures that they had out on the shelves alongside uh, like the launch of the animated series. I guess just nobody was really swapping notes about what was coming down the pipeline, but 
that I mean, that didn't stop me from from getting Storm in her black costume with her fabulous yeah. light up lightning bolt for sure. But yeah. it was a little confusing, you well, know, as a six year old boy. <laughs> I don't know if you had the same thought, but I remember thinking like, oh, those are those are old. Those must be like old toys. It's like they're out on store shelves. I, I didn't know that like Jim Lee's like X Men number one had just come out. Right. All the the costumes I was familiar with were like the the brand new stuff. I just thought like the other stuff was like. That has to be like from the seventies or so. <laughs> what is this still doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Alex, you're, you're, you've described all of the things we collected growing up: Batman the Animated Series, Power Rangers, the Turtles, obviously X Men. And when we had Blainer things over from Neck on the podcast, he was talking to us about how we're very much in a golden age of collecting right now. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I think the work you're doing at Mondo and other places is sort of emblematic of that. And so I'm curious on your take on that. Do you think collecting has just exploded once again and we are in this new neo-golden age of collecting? Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely, you know, I, I mean, I hope it just keeps going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My sort of feeling with collecting, because I've never stopped, like, I never had, like, a, a phase where I, like, fell out of collecting, mm -hmm. like, oh, really? uh, and it was always, it was mostly X-Men, like, like X-Men was, like, the one collection, the one, like, figure line that, like, I always sort of held on to, yeah. and the way I look at it is, like, it kind of like grew up with me like it, like the 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 sculpts and the articulation and the figures became like more and more advanced as i got older that there was like there was sort of like always something to like keep me you know like oh this feels new or this feels like it's catering more towards like collectors my age and now we're at a point where you know there are all these like high end super well made uh super high quality figures yeah. and of you know like you know not at all beholden to like having to pander to kids or only you know i mean guys like i just added a, a toad to my brotherhood of mutants like you know who would have thought that that would like you know these obscure more obscure characters that you know in the past would have been like hard cells uh yeah. kids it's like you know now those are all you know the the goal is to like have a complete collection you know so yeah i think that we're lucky to be you know adults in the in the time that we're in yeah <laughs> I, I mean i think for me what what really like drives home that this is like a golden age of collecting is like we almost have the entirety of like that iconic 90s x-men like vertical poster with yeah. X Factor, Excalibur, X Force, etc. Yet to come poster. <laughs> and 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 oh, and we were struggling to get. We never got like a Jim Lee style Jubilee. We never really got a Jean Grey that really was compatible with with like the other figures. And like to think that we're just like two or three figures away from completing that entire lineup blows yeah. my mind. But I think. The fact and that we have Megan, like I, I would look at that poster, and be like, well, we're never getting a Megan. Never. She's like, she's like in the foreground of that poster, like, but they did it, like, <laughs> they did it, and she's perfect. I mean, she looks just as goofy and innocent and sweet as she should too. It's like they're really like taking the time to capture, you know, kind of the essence of these characters. 
But I think really like the property where it's like a parent, like more than a parent, and you'll certainly know this, Alex, uh, given, you know, your work with Super 7 is Ninja Turtles. I mean, my God, we have every flavor of Ninja Turtle like available for, we have the animated series, the movies, the, the, the old Playmates action figures updated. We have the, you know, the might, the musical Ninja Turtle figures. It's just nuts to, yeah. to, to think how far we've come. And I'm someone who, you know, probably like five years ago or six years ago, if you ask me, I would have said like, well, the one thing I don't have to worry about being tempted by is Ninja Turtles. Like, that's, you know, I loved that as a kid, but like, uh, I, don't, I don't need to hold on to that. Like, I can save my money. I, I have a whole thing of NECA turtles, <laughs> cartoon turtles and movie turtles and the Super 7 turtles. Like, yep. it's just like, they're too good. Like, they're, the, 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 the sculpts, the articulation, like, it's just so good that, you know, how can you pass it up? Like I literally just yesterday posted on Instagram. I have the like cityscape diorama that <laughs> NECA did for the animated Ninja Turtles. And I just updated it yesterday. And I think it has something like 25, 30 figures on it. And it just blows my mind. Like, I don't want to think about how much money that is. Thankfully, I've been able to get most of those at retail, but it just blows my <laughs> mind. Cause like you, yeah, like five years ago, I had zero Ninja Turtle figures. You <laughs> yeah. know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> great i got neutrinos coming tomorrow like what's what's going on <laughs> i lit i feel so guilty i actually i went wild at the target like collector fest like, two <laughs> weeks ago i bought literally every single thing that they had on offer and the neutrinos like once i saw that once i got that credit card bill the neutrinos had to go back i couldn't <laughs> in good faith I, I forgot who the neutrinos were until San Diego Comic-Con and we were with Lane at the NECA booth and we were doing like a live and I was like, and then we have these characters <laughs> and I completely forgot because I had the action figures growing up, but I, for whatever reason in my turtles history, I don't remember the neutrinos at all. I only remember Dak because he was the he was the action figure with the the, the cool guy in the, the bright blue outfit. So if I, he was single carded, I would have kept him, but I couldn't justify spending seventy five dollars and I only knew one one third of the characters. <laughs> they look so good, like this. They, they just look so good. I, I tell you, if they're still there the next time I get paid, there's a good chance <laughs> that they'll they'll come back home with me. So I, I digress. I could talk about the the golden age of Ninja Turtle collecting all 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 evening long, um, but but I'm really curious. Um, obviously, you're involved in the creation of of action figures. Now you do you do the sculpting uh, for them. What what came first, that your passion for collecting toys or your passion for for sculpting and developing your own? Um, it was always like both there, like part of my, I mean, even as a kid, what kept me collecting, what I liked about figures was less like playing, even playing with them and, and more the sculpts. Like I would just like sit there and just look at, you know, all, you know, Ninja Turtles, like all the sort of detailed, like little Easter eggs they'd hide in the sculpts yeah. and things. And, you know, I, I would just love to look at the sculpts. I also like as a kid, I was always, like, obsessed with, like, the sort of, like, show accuracy of, like, like toys. Oh, we all were. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah it's, uh, so, like, you know, now it's, like, that's, you know, part of the job. And, uh, and but, yeah, I mean, like, from, like, as far back as I can remember, like, I remember making, like, you know, Muppet Baby figures out of, like, Fimo clay. Like, you know, it was, yeah. like, this, you know, clay that you could, like, you know, 
bake in the oven and it came with all these different colors and stuff. So I was making, because they didn't have like Muppet Baby figures, but I liked the show. So I remember making those uh, out of clay. So like, yeah, so and making like, you know, Beauty and the Beast, uh, you know, figures and, and stuff you like that. You are singing so. my language right now. Right? I <laughs> loved Muppet Babies. That, that, that theme song lives rent-free in my head, A. And <laughs> B, I remember I was so upset that they never made a bell like figure or something like that yeah. um, for, for boys. And I wanted to get clay and do exactly what I mean. I never did, but what you <laughs> did specifically, that's just insane, man. Yeah. I, I, I remember being at like some ca- at a camp, like a, you know, a, you know, summer or, you know, day camp kind of thing. And we did something with, uh, like beeswax it was like sheets of co- multicolored beeswax you were making these little like dioramas and things uh little figures with it and i was like that was like an unlock because i was like oh my god i can like make my own figures this is amazing so at first i was like what is this beeswax if i need to get more beeswax and then from there i you know moved on to femo clay and then from there on to sculpey and i was just like Oh, there's like this thing called clay that you can like use to make this stuff. So, so like pretty much right from the beginning, and you know, and so from like the age of two on, I've been like it, like sculpting and figures have been side by side. Was, was there one particular figure when you're little Alex and you're like hyper analyzing these figures and seeing all the nuances in the sculpting? Was there one? Is there one in particular that sort of stands out in your memory that you're like, damn, even back then, that was a lit figure? Oh, in terms of like accuracy or in terms of just like the the sculpting, like and the sculpting and or whatever spoke to you? Yeah. Um. Hmm. That's a really good question. Um. I think I mean I liked all the like Ninja Turtles like you know I think probably like Baxter Stockman and Crane like oh my god the Crane yes I would just like look at all you know like it's so funny too because like you know in working on some of the the Super 7 stuff like it's like some of these details are just burned into my brain yeah like you know uh, that age where your mind is just a sponge you're just like looking at this thing and you you know exactly how all of it should feel and like yeah it's you know that is such a good way of putting that though it's like your mind is a brain a sponge at that at that time in your life and and that's why we're still doing what we do today we're just collecting figures because we love them we know how they're supposed to feel because it's so ingrained in our dna yeah yeah it is almost like a part of you so did you did you customize any any x-men figures did you try and fill that ponytail jean gray sized hole we had in our collections (laughs) oh man like no, and I should, I probably should have, like, I, the, the X-Men stuff I customized, or, like, I did an uh, Emma Frost. Perfect. I tried to do an Emma Frost when, it, I think it which, was. Which version X-Men. of Emma? It was New X-Men. New X. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, but I wasn't a kid, but, like, but, yeah, I was trying, you know, um, and I did a, um, the, like, Cat Beast, uh, I think from Astonishing, uh, where I had, like, sculpted over, like, all the fur on his you know over like the costume and i added like like rubber bands to be like the lining of his you know to be like that sort of piping um i think i also like i may have like customized a x23 before that marvel legend came out um you but, are just hitting yeah. all the right notes here. Right. Check, <laughs> check, check. So when Flink and I first started collecting legends, we were convinced we would never get an Emma Frost. 
So Ever. I was like, I'm going to create my own Emma Frost with Electras. <laughs> and I am not a customizer at all. And I like massacred all of the Electras <laughs> at the KB <laughs> toy store in the college I was at. But it, 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 it it's just so interesting how you're talking because there are certain parts in like action figure history collecting that we just fear that it's getting lost. And another one that you just hit on was the unveiling of X-23 on the yeah. Toy Fair cover. And how amazing she looked right there, boom. And you're like, oh, now I don't need to do a customized version. Yeah. Of I will get her. Yeah. I, that, I remember just how scandalous them announcing an X-23 figure at the time was. All the message boards were lit up about how dare they make this obscure character before they make, you know, X, Y, and Z iconic Marvel character. And meanwhile, I'm just sitting back like, cool. Like, I'm <laughs> thrilled that they're, that they're making her. And I actually... I, again, I'm no customizer, but I, I, and I never even tried, but I saw that X-23 body and I saw like a Generation X Jubilee. I mean, she had yeah, the zipper, yeah. she had kind of the belt. It was, if I had any skill whatsoever, I, I would have maybe uh, tried my hand at that. But, um, in, you know, in addition, obviously, to being in the golden age with, with Ninja Turtles, we're in a bit of a golden age with, with Marvel Legends as well. And we do actually, finally, after all these years, have uh, a ponytail gene from the animated series. I, I, I'm curious, knowing that you, there she is, making a cameo on video <laughs> for us. Uh, I, I'm curious, knowing that you work on the, the animated line from Mondo, are you picking up any of the animated figures from Hasbro? Yeah, I got uh, see, I got Jubilee and I got Wolverine. Oh yeah, uh, got a oh, perfect. That Jubilee looks great, by the way. I like it better than the one we got. Yeah, I, 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 it's funny. I didn't think it would be that different, but seeing the seeing the the like the digital printing on this face. Um, it looks it's beautiful like like because I have the original the, the first release too uh, with just the painted on and, and it you know it doesn't real you're like eh, this, is, this doesn't look oh. like Jubilee but uh, but this does like this is really like this you know it shows the sculpt is like really nice under there. Oh wait can I can I ask you a follow-up question so to bring it back <laughs> to Gene Gray because Flink and I were talking about this so here's the the Gene Gray from the Lover's tri Triangle like yeah. uh, pack and here's the animated one. Yeah. Are you saying this is a digital print on her on her face versus this one? Is that yeah. why they look so different? Even though it's how does that work? Can you can you explain that to to us mere mortals? Well, I so I I can explain it because I believe it's it's like a proprietary like yeah. secret process oh. of Hasbro's. Oh, um, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I mean I I mean that's just what I've heard because i know that like so like the first so like sh figuarts and mothex are both doing it like like all the star wars sh figuarts figures had like you know a really nice digital face print on there so like they could do like sort of like subtle shading and like the skin tone and that's why those figures look so like photo i mean they call it photo real right so mm -hmm. um and so then obviously star wars black series started to do that um and now with Marvel Legends, they've just started implementing like digital face printing uh, for comic book uh, characters. But yeah, that's why it's like so. That's why it's much more, much more like accurate and oh more delicate. Gosh, yeah. um, so I actually I don't have that Jean Grey, but I, I kind of now want to get it for that reason. Like because I bought two 
I, I bought um yeah look at that yeah look at the it just like there. makes a huge difference also just the the more like orange hair is like that's jim lee gene gray to me yeah like, i feel like they always do like the sort of dark red brownish red for gene grays but it's like in the comics it's like it's orange brighter and in the cartoon yeah. it's bright red which is kind of you know, Fomka but, color. <laughs> Fomka's colorist recommended what palette to use <laughs> for Jean. Yeah. I kind of feel like that that red's a little too high, like a splash too highlighter for me, but I agree with your overall point. Like she's yeah. almost brunette on, on the lover's triangle figures. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I've only bought a couple of the, the cel-shaded Hasbro figures and mostly for parks. Like Jubilee I did buy, but she's like my my original figure. She's just wearing like the the sunglasses with the cool like glare on it and then storm i swapped out the head the storm head is absolutely gorgeous and now that you now that you say that those are probably that's probably printed on that makes a lot of sense why it looks so good yeah and her hair looks just like the the animated series it's like it's perfect. like every strand is uh is is right there um the only the only thing the gene gray one i was i was definitely like disappointed uh in that one just just because like because sort of the main first of all like with this line like have the main thing i was hoping for is like oh we're gonna get like all new heads that look like the cartoon like storm yeah yeah like storm but even then it's like i think it's still like the 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 face from the previous marvel legends release with new hair i don't know i don't have it in hand but um oh my god you might be right yeah, I know. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> like just such a ni- they did just such a nice job on the deco, which, yeah. of course... Yeah, she looks so... Hang on, I, I have the other one. But anyways, continue, yeah. Oh, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, so that so I was kind of hoping for, like... Yeah, for just, like, kind of a, a second a second stab at, at, at making, like, more cartoon-specific heads. Um, but then, like, the main... And so, obviously, they didn't do that with Jean Grey. Um but the main thing is just the like color to me. It's like if if this line is just about like getting cartoon accurate colors, it's like you know it's it, her her hair isn't like orange like that on the show, and her like her costume is more of that like pale orange, you know, like mm, is it one would describe it as peach? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, someone would. Just like catch you by surprise when you're reviewing the Mafex Jean Grey and say it's not Peach. That was Flink. It, yeah, I I'm like I was so excited for that for that hundred dollar figure until I saw that she was like as yellow as Wolverine. I'm like, no, nah, that's not right. Oh, I I for that for the Mafex one, like I couldn't get over, I couldn't get past the blue uh like pads on the thighs. Like it's like those gotta be gold. Like I know in the comics or like later on, like. They start like sometimes it'd be like miscolored blue. Yeah, that's a miscolor. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't base your hundred dollar action figure on a miscolor. Exactly. <laughs> so you're I proving my it. point. Proving my point. <laughs> but yeah, but then and then the biggest thing for the 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 Hasbro uh, animated Jean Grey is uh, green eyes. She's yeah. uh, she's got green eyes in the comics. Bl- very blue eyes on the cartoon. Yep. Alex, I love you so much. You know, we, <laughs> to, we had Larry Houston on the on the podcast, and one of the things we said you know, that we brought to his attention was, yeah, you know, in the show, Jean does have blue eyes, but in the comics, it's green. But only during the Dark Phoenix saga, right before she dies, do her eyes 
become green. And Larry said, I did that deliberately because I wanted the audience to know that was the real gene in that moment asking Scott to kill her. So that's awesome. I, yes, we do our homework. We do our homework (laughs) here. Okay. Wait. So not to veer off because this could be all about Jean Grey. (laughs) So you, talking about all of that i see your face playing oh you froze for a second there for me i was like wow he's really holding that face um <laughs> given all like this rise in technology and the digital printing and the mafex figures and the hasbro and the mondo we, we what is kind of like the the market like like how do these different markets like vary like the action figure market versus you know, the vinyl figure market. I'm curious from like someone who's in the industry who sees this like firsthand, what are your, what, what, what is the state of it? What are your thoughts on it? Well, so I'm, um, I'm just starting to like dip my toe into that whole part of the world. Cause like before I was, I was, I worked freelance. So I just kind of think about the sculpt and, and now I work full time at Mondo. And so I'm just starting to sort of like get, you know, the lay of the land uh, in those terms, but um, and so, you know, I don't know much about, I'm, I'm not going to like speak to it, um, but just as a, as a customer, as a, as someone who's a, as a, as a casual, as a collector, um, in terms of like the, like, what do you, what do you mean? Like in terms of the, the market, like, do you mean like how well things are doing or just like, yeah, I, I, headed? Yeah, I think things are doing particularly well, but one of the things that really does strike my attention when I look out there, and we were talking about this when we were reviewing Mayfax Jean Grey, and you didn't like it, Flink, you're like, well, I have other options. And so I I look around at what Mondo's doing right now with the animated series. I see that Hasbro's doing it. I see that Mayfix is rolling it out. And it's a lot of similar product that's sort of flooding the market, but still has its own like rampant collector base. Yeah, I was just curious on on your thoughts on on those different like facets of the market. Yeah, I think it's um it it's 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 complicated because you know a big a part of the job is sort of having to predict trends. You know, having to predict like you know how well uh, a product is going to is going to do. Like especially because like you know figures start production, you know, a year at least prior to when they actually like show up and are available to purchase or, you know, or where they actually get to customers. So you do have to sort of like predict, you do have to kind of like predict like where, where things are headed, what, how things are going to do, do. And it's, I think it's particularly hard um, in the like action figure collector comic book fan world, fan world, because it, you're dealing with like niches upon niches. Like even like, you know, like a niche will have like a sub niche where it's like, like so you know this you know this type of x-men fan is different from this type and like you know this type of action figure fan is different and there are you know one twelfth collectors and one sixth collectors and like could there ever be cross-pollination like you know and also like all the different types (laughs) and things so like it's it's complicated for sure (laughs) like um and you try to use like the data that's available to you and, and i think like kind of as a rule of thumb it seems that if a if a character feels overexposed um you, you, it'll be harder to like pitch that character or or sell that character because it's like ah do we really need another like x um even though it may have only may only be done in like a certain scale or a certain 
you know, uh, or maybe it's like soft vinyl, like it, but, but the idea is that like, well, can we generate like excitement for this character? If people already feel like satisfied or if a character comes out and doesn't do well, if it like underperforms or like one property underperforms that can make it like really hard to, to, it, the, like Green Lantern is a, the Green Lantern movie. I think is like a great example of this, where like that movie underperformed so badly that like you could not say Green Lantern for yeah. you still can't. Like I, yeah. I like I think we might be just getting to the point where somebody can say, "How about a Green Lantern?" Like, <laughs> like people just don't you know. Even though it's like, well, no, it's because the movie got it wrong. It like doesn't mean that yeah. like. The That's property is bad at the, or that it like you couldn't do a good version, but it just, it makes it. Gem in the holograms is a fantastic point there. You know what I mean? Like the, everyone really wanted this gem in the holograms movie. It came out and it was terrible. And now like the property is not welcomed anywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's kind of, kind of seen like as like a failure and it's not, it wasn't the property. It was, it was a movie. It was a facet of, you know, the licensing, but yeah. Wait, Alex, wait, what is your official title then over at Mondo? I, I assumed you were just uh, on the design team, but you are, do you I'm wear many a, hats there? I'm a, well, I'm like a, I'm a, a sculpting, sculptor slash uh, like creative manager sculpting. Like, gotcha. So I, so um, it's uh, me and uh, Tommy Hodges, uh, who does a lot of the like Masters of the Universe stuff. Like we're sort of- the, I we're, ordered that Shira so good right i like, can't wait so beautiful and and yeah so uh um so like we're sort of like the the main like sculptors and we, and we so we oversee so we sculpt we have our own projects that we're sculpting but then we also oversee um other projects and then um uh hector arce is is the like sort of main like toy designer creative director um who t you know who, uh, you know, he's, he oversees all the lines and everything and, and we, you know, report to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. So before we dive into like some more Mondo related questions, let's, let's stir up a little bit, a little bit more X-Men excitement to, to prepare for, for all of the questions we're going to assault you with about, about your X-Men work at Mondo. <laughs> I'm um, sorry in advance. Yeah. Apologies in advance. <laughs> apologies in advance. But let's get shady. <laughs> Who is your favorite X-Man from the animated series? Uh, really hard question. I like yeah. all of them. <laughs> uh, you know, to, to choose. It's like, it's one of those things that's like always like, it always changes too. Um, but uh, currently, I'd have to, so it's definitely Rogue. Yeah. Um, with Good answer. With Beast coming in second. Now I know uh -oh. you're very anti. Ooh, what the fuck, Alex? But this is animated series Beast. Okay, fine, about. fair. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Beast second, but the Rogue, because you know, in, in watching the cartoon again, it's like like Lenore Zan's voice acting, and I know you, you had her as a guest. It just puts it over the top. Like it, 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 she does such a good job playing that character. Um, from the from the get go, from from the very first episode, like because you know Rogue doesn't have the, the first episodes like are juggling all of these characters they're introducing you to, and they're trying to give everyone like stuff to do. Like Rogue really stands out in like just her few little moments, and I, I think it is in that like voice performance because like not only does 
Lenore's in capture the like the sort of that like feisty southern you know the fun energy of the the, vo the sort of husky voice but she captures the sort of like melancholy to rogue yeah. like, like just under the surface of like of somebody who can't like who, who feels closed off from like everyone around her you know like yeah so there's just this like so it's amazing that she's able to combine those two things of like a feisty spitfire but like who's sad who has this like inner sadness that she's dealing with it's that, very cool that is so beautiful like that is <laughs> such a, i wish Lenore. i wish i knew you were such a lenore stan because we would have asked her to pop in she is <laughs> such a big friend and ally of the podcast and you I know starstruck I, I couldn't do I, i'd hear that voice i, I just i couldn't i couldn't do it <laughs> listen if you no spoilers on this but if you guys ever do a rogue at mondo you should reach out to her directly because she will she will endorse that she's such an advocate for the character and and what the character symbolizes yeah. precisely how you said it you know yeah i mean and, and it's across the board like the the you know the the voice cast like they really they really treated their characters like like real people and yeah you know, and really did the the work of like digging into each one and figuring out like what kind of what makes them tick you know and then obviously like beast is just that that voice is just absolutely yeah, perfect. Was, like uh, it's the yeah the you know that just is that character well, the Leewalds, when you read their book and when you speak to them, they, they're so smart because what they said what first was so then, you know, in that book, they they say the, they didn't know anything about X-Men, but they were writers and they can lay a really good foundation and then they can build the house from the foundation. Yeah. And, and that is exactly what they did. They were smart, good writers first, and then they absorbed as much about the X-Men. And they got those faxes in from Marvel, and they studied those faxes, and they built this wonderful series. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, and that's why it is so good, because I, you, you, I don't think you can really approach this stuff as like a fan. Cause you're too close and you know, uh, you get, can get lost in the details, but like, if you are coming to it from sort of the outside looking in, you get that like clarity of like, okay, well, what is like the DNA of this thing? Like, and, and their little, their little um, synopses and sort of like statements about like what the world is like, you know, what kind of stories, what, what, what makes an X-Men animated story? Like perfect. Like their, their oh, yeah. uh, mission statement. It was just like, so well written and so, and so so clear and like and so x-men right <laughs> like you know so who is your favorite character in the comics though yeah in the comics that's also a really hard one um but i think so again i'll have like my main answer and then a backup answer uh nightcrawler is like my favorite character from the comics because he's just he's so cool like the, the design's great again it kind of like plays into that you know similar like it's funny like even as a kid like what drew me to x-men was like beast because like i had never seen like the concept of like the big muscly guy also being the like smart sophisticated guy was like and being a raging you know, sociopath as well and just an all-around <laughs> <normal. laughs> yeah it, to a six-year-old that was like mind-blowing i was like this this show is not your average show like this yeah, show is yeah. a big deal. even though like i probably know and only like a handful of things at that point somehow i was like already like 
interested in the subversion of, of genre. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but what you're just saying right now is exactly what the Lee Waltz wanted to do, which was you don't write down to children, you write up to children because they yeah, will yeah. intuitively know that there was more to the show than what meets the eye. And, and you are a perfect prime example of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, Batman, the animated series obviously tapped in that too. We're like, at six, you're like, this is important. I don't know. I don't know why, but what I'm watching right now is important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so anyway, like Nightcrawler, you know, I I just, I always, I love that like sort of embodiment of of X-Men where like, you know, he, he is, you know, he has like the most to contend with from his like outward appearance. uh, But his like, inner spirit is like the most positive the most uh you know sort of uh evolved (laughs) i guess and and he's just like he's a good uh you know he's a good character to have on the team because of the way he is able to interact with all the other big personalities like and he's just freaking cool like yeah like elf ears he's blue blue furry skin like it's yeah um but my second my second answer to this is uh storm from the comics oh, yeah. and specifically chris claremont storm oh yeah because you know yeah, clearly like she, like she was probably she like he, I, i'm sure he seems to like feel like a connection to her like her character has like the clearest arc uh during his whole run and again like a, just a very like kind of complicated nuanced character because it's like it's like the most badass version of Storm. Like, like even in the end, like the animated series kind of like plays her as more of like the Earth Mother. I mean, she's like formidable, like you know, with her powers and you know, like she has like the goddess quality. But like in the comics, she is like ruthless, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like a badass. But also, there's like a there's kind of like a vulnerability there, obviously, when she like loses yeah. her powers and the whole life death uh, arc, um, and sort of like dealing with you know, being a, the leader of the X-Men, which, like, she knows she's good at, but in sort of, like, this... She's, like, the Captain Kirk of the X-Men, right? Because it's, like, you know, it's, like, she has, like, a perspective on things that you can only have when, like, you're the leader and, like, people's lives are in your hands. And and so I think that comes across in the comics, and it's, I think, really interesting. I mean, she was able to defeat Cyclops for leadership of the X-Men when she was without powers. Yeah. And he was like the epitome of a poster boy for for the X-Men really to that point. And it really just marked, like her ascent just like marked kind of when the X-Comics or the X-Book just, the one at the time, X-Men kind of transitioned to just be a little bit more cool than it was before. You know, it was kind of, you know, we'd, we'd obviously had Dark Phoenix Saga and the Brood Saga and all of those cool sto- Days of Future Past, all those cool storylines. But, like, I feel like they're really her with the Mohawk ascending yeah. the leader really was when things started to go on to this whole next level. And it yeah. really, she was, like, the linchpin turning point of, of all of that. I agree. For sure. That's a really so, interesting way to put it. That, like, yeah, the X-Men got cool then. <laughs> a little, I mean, X-Men, and in my opinion, X-Men, even, even that corny, you know, Stanley uh, writing, even X-Men was cool <laughs> even then. It might not have caught on until the giant size team, but, uh, you know, I, most, for the most part, X-Men, to me anyways, has, has always been cool. But 
on 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 the uncool on the shady side you know we got it we like to be a little bit shady uh around <laughs> here the shade, every now and then the shade I, I i have to ask who is your least favorite x-man if if there even is one angel i don't even have to think about it <laughs> well it was right out of the gate no <laughs> does that when you say angel do you also mean archangel um i kind of do because like <laughs> Archangel was when he got interesting, right? It's like, oh, now he's like dark and badass and like, you know, angry, angry and brooding. He's dark and he looks awesome. Like the Archangel costume is so brilliant and the metal wings are really cool. Um, but then he like, uh, you know, it feels like he just like then goes back to being like, you know, milk toast War Warren Worthington, like almost immediately like at least yeah. like by the time you get to like the 90s and stuff so like you know and, and he kind of like i mean it's like he's an interesting character because he's like he's the the one x-man that is like the least suited to that to the life um and he's actually like he and this is i'm just talking about the comics but like he and dazzler are kind of like neck and neck for like being like we're not sure we want to be here. Like, you know, it's like when the going gets tough, like those, they kind of like get going, you know, like in the other, in the other. Like, Sorry, prof world saving ain't my style. Yeah. Bye. I mean, there's like, like there's that like, period, there's that period in the eight early eighties where like, it's right after dark Phoenix. Uh, so like Jean's dead and Cyclops quits the X-Men and, and, Archangel, like uh, Warren comes back in. He's like, I'm going to be the Cyclops now. I'm going to be the like <laughs> member who's now going to lead. And then he gets like a few issues in. And he's like, Wolverine's a psychopath and everyone else is mean. Oh, like, yep. <laughs> he throws his little tantrum. He throws his little tantrum. Yeah. Oh, but wow. I kind of agree with you. I feel that's, like he that's incredible. I mean, bravo, Alex. <laughs> that, that is a very compelling point. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I've ne I don't I don't stand Warren. I never I never really have. But like, if you think about it, he he kind of wasn't cool at all until yeah. he was Archangel, and then even that kind of you know wasn't much of a character arc for him. It was it was a, a really cool visual with some apocalypse stories here and there over the years to make sure he stayed a little tormented, but. Even that, once he stopped with the metal wings, you know, it was Betsy, his relationship with Psylocke that yeah. that that kept him interesting. And then, you know, things over developments over the years that they tried, like the healing blood and all of that, like nothing, nothing ever really sticks the with him. I, I kind blood. of agree with you. He's not, well, he's not really my my favorite either. Husk, like we can't even go there. Like <laughs> that, that's oh, we. We went there with Chuck Austin in a recent oh. episode. We had Chuck Austin on the podcast, and he was very lovely. And uh, we talked about that relationship. Oh, yeah. In great detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, to piggyback off of what you guys were saying, like even the Dark Angel saga, which was supposed to be at the time build like, you know, the modern reader's Dark Phoenix saga, did not land. And it definitely was so convoluted in the end that, I once they did Hawksbox, Angel's fine. You know, whatever happened there with the death seed and him getting rebooted in a blank slate, no one remembers. 
boom, yeah. we're done. It's just Angel, and he can morph into Archangel too. So yay. He's kind of always been like an a, a really uninteresting version of Cyclops. You know, <laughs> it was like in Cyclops, like in the original comics, it was like they sort of tried a love triangle between like he and Jean Grey and Cyclops, but like you know, Angel never like stood a chance. And then they tried to like force this kind of like rivalry between him and Wolverine when he became Archangel and then tried to do like even like Psylocke, like she was originally interested in Cyclops and yeah. then Cyclops was like, nah, I'm, I'm only with Gene. You know, then she was like, okay, uh, Archangel, I guess. <laughs> like, you know. Those issues of Psylocke flirting with Cyclops were some of the first X-Men comics I ever read. And yeah. I mean, they, the art in those was probably not the most appropriate for a first grader <laughs> at Jesus school. I don't uh, know. A girl licking oil off a guy's face? Like, come oh on, God. girl. Anyway. Not, not Jim Lee. Jim Lee. <laughs> style, all good style. So so speaking of 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 Cyclops, as we're we're kind of diving into our, our continuity here, I have to ask who is your favorite of the I guess four Summers brothers at this point? Four. Yeah, so Alex, obviously Havoc, Vulcan, oh, Adam X, right, confirmed, and then Cyclops proper. Yeah. I mean, easy Cyclops. Easily, <laughs> um, <Easily>, oh. <laughs> I'll explain. Like, uh, Cyclops was actually the first. That was like the first thing that got me into X Men. That was like my very first exposure because it was like I remember I was at like I probably like a bowling alley and there was a arcade, you know, an X Men arcade machine, and I just oh. remember that picture of Cyclops on the side of it, um, and it was like you know he had the like this was even though I think this was maybe the animated series hadn't come out yet, but like he had, he still had the like skull cap sort of look. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I liked, I loved any character with a visor at that time. Like, I don't know why I was like a kid, like, I, cause I guess like hiding the eyes just made people look so cool, you know? And yeah. so I was like, so it was a vibe. Was, like, and I was like, I was not really into like superheroes. Cause I didn't like really think of like Ninja Turtles as superheroes or Ghostbusters. I was, just, I was like, eh, superheroes. I don't, I don't know what that's all. I mean, again, I'm like two, probably two <laughs> or three. I was like, superheroes. I don't know what that's all about. But then I was sort of thinking, like, well, maybe I should like have a superhero that I like. And I saw Cyclops. And I was like, yeah, that's gonna be my super. So at any rate, like, so I always had like an affection for Cyclops in the cartoon, um, and he's cool in the comics. Um, and yeah, and he's like a, he's like a great leader i mean obviously he's terrible in the 80s like you have to like pretty much discount all of x-factor cyclops you have yeah. to, like, that's like that can't be canon in your mind if you're liking no. cyclops but um but Both yeah rights have evolved since the 80s so yes we agree <laughs> i mean i literally have a madeline Pryor shrine behind me so yeah 80s cyclops <laughs> we literally can't if i'm to like him i we can't factor in his behavior in but the 80s at all the you way i always just guy what <laughs> so you you must be a, a havoc fan if uh if madeline Pryor is oh uh, yeah Oh yeah, I I'm, I'm I have younger brother syndrome, so I would like Luigi, Robin. I stand. I always stand the second player. So uh, I really, I, my first exposure to Havoc was Peter David's X Factor in the '90s. 
Yeah. Um, and he was, he had little brother syndrome all the way. And I was like, I relate to this character. He was always, always talking about living in his brother's shadow at that point. And I was just like, yeah, this, 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 this feels right. So spiritually I respond to havoc, but of course, you know, Cyclops was right. Cyclops has always been right. I, <laughs> except in the eighties, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I definitely can understand he's my second favorite and not even not distant of a second favorite discounting the entirety of the 80s of course <laughs> and yeah i mean H- havoc you know he's got the best co- one of the best costumes in comics that classic costume is like oh. and, and then the you know the the larry stroman like x-factor costume is pretty cool too his power big cool. puffy jacket i love <laughs> yeah. it oh, i love all the, the larry stroman like x-factor designs like oh yeah so good um but uh yeah and then i don't it's funny like so i've read you know a a lot of x books like i you know all through the 90s somehow i missed adam x like entirely like i don't know like exactly where he showed up i assume it was like x force yeah Um, yeah i just must have missed those like so i'm like completely unfamiliar with adam x um and vulcan i also never read that um that like mini series yeah deadly genesis deadly genesis yeah so i I was reading the like i think that was i think i was reading the one where like with like the chris bachalo art where like rogue is the leader and like mystique and Sabretooth are on the team and i really liked that supernova supernova yeah yeah and and so i was like mike carey i I, I didn't care about the the so i wasn't like i didn't bother to figure out what was going on with vulcan and I, i know the like vague premise but um but yeah so i don't really know is he he's like a jerk he's kind of a jerk right he's, like he's a, a total guy. jerk yeah he's a total jerk but i guess if you're gonna be a suffer's brother you got you got some attitude you have to be a little bit of a jerk <laughs> but yeah no adam x i mean he's a blink if you'll miss him in in, in the 90s but they they have a series now called x-men legends where they sort of revisit past plot holes and they sort of bridge the gap for readers and one of them was adam x being the fourth summer's brother and we're very yeah. happy with that. i i i stand adam x but i mean you just I like his Simon. hat I love his hat. He's always going to be like 90s cool for me, but Most Cyclops nice. is definitely up there for me. And I love Jim Lee's Cyclops design. Yeah. yeah. And they but, teased uh, Gambit as a Summer's yeah. brother for a long time. Yes, they did. And confirmed in X-Men The End, the alternate future of the X-Men, they do confirm that he is a Summer's brother in that. <laughs> But, but that was pre-Vulcan and pre-Adam X. I'm not sure. That yeah, yeah, that was. Pre- I don't know. That we need a fifth Summers brother at this point. That you know, <laughs> Corsair. Please, Corsair's like you're I'm done. done. You're like, done. <laughs> Corsair, get a fucking vasectomy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. If you look at Corsair, you're like, yeah, that, you know, he's. Oh yeah, there are a lot of Summers brothers in the game. <laughs> oh yeah, and some of them are are half cat or half skunk, depending on on, on the. <laughs> I know. Where's the Where's the uh, the Hepzibah uh, Summer's brother? Like, where's yeah. the, the the half brother? We'll you know get what? there eventually. I'm a sure. A twist is going to be a summer <laughs> sister. Boom. Yes. Would be yeah. down for that. I there would be go. down for that. There you okay. go. Wait. So speaking of Summer's women and Cyclops, so we got to ask you: Cyclops's true love, Jean Grey or Emma Frost? Oh man. Another, these are the hard questions. I know. You know, it's like. You know, so obviously I'm going to go with Jean Grey. 
nothing beats sorry nothing beats Jean Grey. <laughs> Emma Frost comes close, but it's specifically so for me like Emma Frost. It's the Grant Morrison Emma. Yeah. Oh, like one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like no one can write her the way they did. Like many writers have tried. It always feels like a, a kind of pale imitation. It's like Damian Wayne too. It's like Grant Morrison is so good at writing that sort of like comedically proud character who's you know they're yeah. they're arrogant and they're vain, uh, you know, but. But also, but then when, but then, you know, Graham Morrison is smart enough that when everything gets taken away from that character, we see that they're also resilient. Like, that's what redeems them is like, yeah, like, granted, they have like a big like chip on their shoulders. They seem like they think really highly of themselves. But like, then you see stuff go really badly for them. And they like the way they can like endure. That's, you know, like, you know. Emma Frost with like you know all of her like nose plastic surgery like undone she's been like hit in the face like she's still like now she's like angry and like you know tough and the, and like you know just like sort of what what she's put through in New X Men um, is really interesting and, and compelling um, and she's just a fun funny character yeah. so I, I really enjoy that like and and it's kind of funny because like I remember reading new x-men as it was coming out and when emma frost and cyclops got like teamed up to go on their mission i was i was right there i was like oh what? they actually like go well together yeah i mean they'd never i know cyclops you know, you know things aren't good between he and gene but like they would never <laughs> you know have like you know indulge this like chemistry between cyclops and emma frost so i don't and i don't know if like you have, yeah, I'm sure Graham Morrison was planning it from the very beginning, but I was like immediately picking up that sort of like, oh, I kind of want, they, there's like a, chemi- a an undeniable chemistry between the sort of like the Boy Scout and the bad girl that yeah. I was like, I want to see these two get together. Because like, they have so much in common during that specific run. I see this all the time. Like Cyclops was your quintessential cold leader who was starting to become human after being possessed by Apocalypse. Gene was becoming a god and like forgetting what it meant to be human. Even Emma says that. And Emma, even though exactly what you said, even though Emma has a big chip on her shoulders and she's this badass, at the core of it, she's a deeply feeling and caring teacher. And she wants wants the well-being of her students. So I agree with you. Scott and Emma, to me, makes so much sense. It's like magnets together, the electricity there, because of what Grant Morrison did, how they wrote those characters during that time. Yeah, I I will say I think Hickman kind of comes close to writing a good Emma, because Hickman can write really witty characters well, or who are supposed Mm -hmm. to be smart in story, but... Yeah, Emma, either you really get... There's some writers I've seen, either they think Emma's just the ba- the bitchy babe on the team, or yeah. there are people who understand that Emma is a deeply complex character who is always one step ahead of the game and is actually very intelligent. Yeah, I think it's also like the context is important with her. Like, So like New X-Men, she really shined because she was like the villain on the team. It's yeah. like, you know, this new... She's a total... She's the outcast in the group of outcasts, right? Like who, you know, has to figure out, is always like figuring out like, do I belong here? Can I make this work? 
I mean, even though she was on Generation X, it's like they really play it into that like former villain now part of the team. Yeah. Um, and then I think when you got when she and Cyclops actually like ended up together and were like the couple in Astonishing X-Men and then like, you know, Utopia and all that. So like she became like less and less interesting to me. Yep. Because it's yep. like, eh, she's kind of becoming boring now. Like she's not, you know, they still tried to make her like formidable but i just like wasn't as into it <laughs> they made her the bitchy blonde girlfriend is, yeah, is kind yeah. of what they did and it and she lost i mean no pun intended she lost a little bit of her sparkle you know during during that time and i'll say what they're doing right in the current krakoan set x-men books is they have her as a pillar of the mutant community on her own which is kind of like what Claremont wanted her. He picked, I, you know, in interviews, he always said that he pictured her as more of a peer of like Xavier and Magneto rather than like the X-Men proper. And even though she's still de-aged, which was Morrison's doing, and I'm fine with it. Uh, I definitely picture her younger, um, you know, but she's, she is, you know, standing on her own. She's a leader of mutants. And I, I, I think she lost a little bit of that post post what morrison did although I, I agree what they did was absolutely fantastic yeah it's one of the all-time greatest runs of x-men comics uh, of all time for sure yeah. oh it, yeah to me that it's that's like the zenith like it kind of peaked there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh but um but yeah and then and then gene but gene is like you know she's she's evergreen you know like gene gray is so it's like such an interesting character and is uh you know kind of she stands alone like you know there's a lot of complexity and and levels to her like and uh and yeah i just think that you know it's like that's the sort of granted like x-men has gone on so much longer than like most stories can you know withstand so like you know it's like Jean Grey and, and Cyclops, they were always like the romance you know that you're tracking like from the very beginning so you kind of want to you kind of you know, it's like Rogue and Gambit, where like you kind of you always always keep coming back to that as like being the thing that you want to see like work out. But um, you know, but it's true. It's like <laughs> these uh, these characters have been around for so long that like it's like, well, are we not going to have them change and you know grow, grow and evolve and grow yeah. back together? And yeah, um, so yeah. But you know, Jean Grey is also like really interesting. You know, and goes through a lot of different phases like she she's she's always evolving with the stories it seems so two things on this podcast that we can talk about endlessly new x-men and gene gray <laughs> versus emma frost <laughs> endlessly endlessly but alex so you work at mondo and mm -hmm. we want to know how did that how did that job come about how did you how did you start working for such yeah. a wonderful iconic company yeah i mean it's it's awesome it's, it's really like it's it's a total dream come true like it's an insane it's an insane dream job like um and and it came about pretty much that way like uh you know so i i i was posting i had an instagram where i was posting my my 3d sculpting work um and uh I s basically i was i was posting kind of like my dream figures you know like my 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 concept line of like oh what would be like my ideal x-men line that like you know if, if there were no rules like you know like what do i want to see um and so i was doing these like these jim lee 
uh, X-Men figures where I'd like come up with like the accessories and like, you know, show what the articulation schemes would, would be. And I, you know, I've, I obviously I'd fully sculpt them. Um, and, you know, and, and uh, just kind of having fun, you know, cause like the Marvel legends line, like it's, it's very close to Jim Lee, but it's not like, it's not like, this is this would be like you know what is the like Mondo or like Super Seven like equivalent to like a Jim Lee X Men line like with like the sort of Easter egg accessories and like yeah. multiple heads and multiple expressions and then tr- also tr- really trying to like capture that Jim Lee look specifically. Um, so I was doing Jim Lee X Men uh, as you know as figures and posting them, and um, Hector from Mondo uh, saw saw my work uh, and was like this is this is awesome this is you know pretty much what we want to do for the for the um for our x-men line um and they had already done wolverine wolverine had already come out um but they reached out to me and they're like hey you know like you know we're uh thinking of doing we want to do magneto and we want to do jubilee and you know we really like the way your magneto and jubilee look um you know you know we'd love for you to sort of like uh, work on this line for us um and they were like really open to like my you know they because they recognized i was like a huge x-men fan so they're like open to my um sort of like input on like how the figure should look like what 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 i would do you know to make an x-men animated figure like aesthetically um yeah there you go there's my gene gray yeah perfect Um, perfect i mean yes done and it's and it's funny because like I ended up uh you know I didn't like use my sculpts yeah so at Jubilee like so at first it was like okay well like, you know maybe because I liked that I liked the way she came out but but then it's like but that's not like the animated series Jubilee yeah. you know like and I love I, I actually pref- I prefer like comic book Jubilee uh just to, you know slightly yeah, more <laughs> like, storm, though. I yeah mean, storm. storm this is this is gorgeous thank you <laughs> yeah no i'm uh you know I, I i love all these characters and so but so at, at any rate like you know i so i you know did animated versions of the sculpts and um and yeah and so now i'm sort of like the main guy on on x-men to kind of like keep the keep the line consistent and keep the styles you know you know keep the style there and uh yeah it's a friggin' dream <laughs> dream come true <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, so what is that process like to like designing like the X-Men figures? Because obviously I'm I'm compa- I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude while I'm comparing your oh, Magneto yeah. on your Instagram versus the final product you did. I mean, they're different. So like yeah. what what is your approach now that you're officially working with Mondo and Marvel and you're designing? How does your approach in designing these characters go about? Um yeah, so the so the way it works is um uh you know, uh, Hector and I will talk about like, you know, what, uh, sort of accessories, um, what different, like, you know, portrait options, uh, would be cool, uh, for the, the characters. Like, you know, we'll look at the cartoon, we'll go back and look at the episodes and, and I've seen the, the cartoon enough times to kind of have a sense of where, like what episodes feature, what characters, what, you know, you know, it's still like there's still things you you kind of forget, and like between the two of us, like you know, we kind of cover the bit. Like you know, Hector will come up with like there was a figure that we were working on recently where he came up with uh, an accessory that I was just like, oh my god, that's 
brilliant that's perfect like i want that now <laughs> like um so yeah so like it's you know between the two of us like kind of you know coming up with ideas we always sort of like you know be what's one of the fun things about mondo is like we kind of embrace if there's like a meme or like a cultural uh you know moments with the character like we always sort of want to play that up to like make that movie like this right here exactly yeah so that is like this that's kind of the spirit of the line like obviously not every character really has that but like we're always looking for like what is a way to make this more personal to fans um to make it feel like it's like like the fans are participating that there's like it, it is responding to that like fan dialogue right um and not just this like sort of like you know commercial you know safe commercial thing so um so yeah so that's that's you know sort of the first step is just like figuring out what we want to do what we want it to be what we want it to include um and well i mean really the first step is figuring out the character but like, yeah from that from there um and then the step after that is like usually i'll start with like the model sheets um you know and i've got i happen to have this handy book oh yeah like someone wrote a book just for you just exactly. to help you out with your job and it, yeah and it came out exactly the right time like i think i i had just gotten this just before interviewing with mondo so like so yeah so like i'll so like with magneto like i'll just so like the one on my instagram i was only looking at the jim lee magneto which this is obviously based on but it, it is different so then you know I, I, i'll look at the the model sheet here I'll go through this book, look at the, you know, drawings of his like un unhelmeted heads and, you know, the Age of Apocalypse head. And um, and I'll also just, you know, I'll usually do like a Google image search too to just sort of see like well, what are the most popular <laughs> like pictures that like come up when you look for this character. Um, and then usually I'll I'll sort of figure out like what drawings i like the best you know like it's because it's like or like where what i think is like the best drawn versions because like the you know the animation is like pretty like inconsistent on the, on the show like uh so you kind of so like these characters could there's like a lot of wiggle room with like the interpretation of like these characters like um so i try to like find what i sort of think of as like well when you picture this character like what is the like what's the ideal um, and I'll definitely, I'll look at, you know, Larry Houston's drawings, if I can, I'll look at Dan Wiesenmeyer's drawings, because, like, they do, you know, that's, like, the most, you know, the, the, those, they're, and, 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 you know, the, the Will Mugino, uh, if, I don't know how you say his last name, but Will Mugino's, uh, uh, character designs, and, you know, and I'll try, so I'll, I'll keep, like, sort of the best drawings of all these, like, in my mind when I'm sculpting, um, and, and and also like I also always think of like the like anime intro, <laughs> you know. Oh, I love the oh, anime yeah. intro. You know, I mean, yeah, intro. we are stands of that. Yep. Yeah, um, a few times like every Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, because I, as a kid, I somehow saw that on TV. Like I don't. Know yeah, it was, it was like, in the reruns or whatever. And yeah, and I was like, "What is that?" Like, because I was just starting to get into anime, and I was like, "That's amazing! Like, this looks so cool." Is is the is the show coming back? Like. <laughs> darker and cooler but uh <laughs> darker and cooler <laughs> but uh but so I'll, I'll just i'll just think of that like from a perspective of just like i think of those as like being very tight drawings yeah um, so not necessarily like anime inspired but like the the fine detail of the line 
I just have a quick question before I throw it back to Flink. So when you when you when you have these images in your head and you're like, okay, it's now time to do them. Yeah. I mean, you render everything digitally, and then do you just print it out on a three D? Do you actually sculpt the figures or do any layouts like that? I I have I have no baseline information <laughs> yeah. to know how 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 you start doing it. So basically, I my part of it is just the like digital sculpting, and so I sculpt gotcha. on this uh, this here tablet. Uh -huh. <laughs> is it wait? What is it called? A uh, Centic. Centic. Yes. I think my brother's oh, an illustrator. You. Ryan's an illustrator. My brother's an illustrator in LA. He I don't pay that much attention to what my brother does. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Little brother syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, I'm sorry. Cut you off. Yeah. No. So so you draw on the screen. You know, you sculpt on the screen, and basically the way it works, I work in Zebra, a program called ZBrush, um, and you know, I bring in a sphere and you start with like a you start with like it's like it's kind of like drawing where it's like you know you want to start with like simple geometric shapes and you build out like you know the 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 simple version of your figure and you get like your broad shapes you know by literally like laying in digital clay you know like and then sculpting it and forming it and smoothing it and you know you just kind of like you know keep working the, the whole figure over you know not you know, and um, and usually what I'll do is after a certain phase, like you can you can color in ZBrush, so you can like paint the the figure, and because because the because color really does like affect the the final look, like especially a face sculpt, like it you know color can like there are some times where you're you're sculpting and you're like and it just the gray clay looks like oh this looks perfect, and then you put the color in and you're like oh no that's not like it's not quite right and then so it <laughs> changes based off of that but then it's important because like the color can influence things so it's like you want to keep going back and forth between like just looking at the gray scale statue and the colored version and and then getting like it so that it looks right in both both ways um and then the colors you know, that's really just for me like like sort of there's there's sort of like a a, a, a step that i'm like skipping which is um you know in, uh, you know, typically you do concept art, like 2D concept art, um, that, and that's what's sent to like the licensor for approval. So you, you have like, you send like an illustration, like a colored illustration of the figure, what it would come with. And you say, is this cool? <laughs> that, that's to Marvel in this case. Mondo yeah, sends so that, that to Marvel. Yeah. And so that would be sent to Marvel and Marvel would give it, you know, the thumbs up and they, you know, then would send it back to me and say, hey, sculpt this. Um, but the way I work or I've, I've been working currently, cause I can sculpt the, the X-Men stuff like pretty quickly. I'll do the, I'll do like a colored sculpt, um, that doesn't have like articulation built in or anything, but, um, but I'll do like the colored sculpt, uh, with the accessories and we'll send in a render of that. Um, so, you know, you'll, it's, and, and we'll send that to, to, to the licensor or Marvel to, to get an approval. Um, and then if they come back with any changes or anything, I, I'll, I'll make that onto the sculpt. And then it's kind of like a back and forth between me and Hector, like to get the sculpt like exactly perfect. Once the sculpt is approved, then I cut in the articulation. So you, you take it from like basically a statue uh, and then you're figuring out like where all the joints are gonna go. You're figuring out like the range of motion. And that's still done digitally? Yeah. Wow. Oh. My alarm went off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still done. It's done. It's all done digitally. 
Um, how would you? And I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry. I yeah, asked these same question. How how would you know where? Like, obviously, articulation for this gene is very different from a Mattel Batman. So, how do you know where to put like the articulation points? Or is there like a standard, you know, protocol for for the figures in the industry? Well, every well everyone's different, right? So, like, um, so let me grab. Uh, so this is our Wolverine. Yeah. Um, and so, like, beautiful. You know, his like his knees and arms are are different from you yeah. know a, a Marvel yeah. Legends Wolverine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so basically, I was sent the digital file for this guy, so I could look at all the parts and how they fit together, and look at all the joints you know, figure out what the, like, you know, how big the, the like, yeah. yeah, the ball peg thing was. Um, and so, you know, looking at that, I kind of use that as like a road, as the roadmap, like one difference is, you know, so he has like his um, ab crunch is underneath his uh, pecs. Yeah. And for Magneto, uh, I wanted to do, we wanted to try uh, one that was under the rib. So Magneto has a has an under rib crunch as opposed to like the you know the pec crunch, but I just feel like that's like a little bit closer to like when you like lean forward, it's like your whole rib cage like goes. It's not just like yeah, you know, so yeah, it's not, you're not so, bending right there. <laughs> yeah, so so that was why I, I kind of want the rotation. Oh my God, I'm, to go I'm, in. Not doing, I'm not bending right right now. <laughs> <laughs> like um, but uh, yeah, or like you know he has he has like. This is kind of unique to, he's got a, um, he doesn't have a bicep. He has, his bicep swivel isn't at the like shoulder. It's yeah. under the bicep, you know? So you still kind of get the same, you know, range of motion. But, um, but so yeah, so there's like little things like that that you you figure out like, okay, well, this is how we aesthetically. And again, it's like, it's all like open for debate, but it's like you want it to have a aesthetic consistency, you know, I so gotcha. that like, you know, they all feel like they're a part of the same line. Um, and also different characters call for different levels of articulation. Like, you know, Spider-Man is going to need to articulate better than the Hulk. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So that's, that's how I figure out the articulation. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, and so once you're done with, everything you just send the file off to yeah so then then the next step is um we do what is, what's called a paint master uh which is wait you... was it zelu 1984 tom yeah i just yeah. saw on his instagram that he was a paint master for so, for gambit and jubilee yeah he's and she-ra he did the like oh the, did he do oh, i didn't know about that yeah, yeah. He, or at least he did the face uh, the face paint for Shiro. It, it just, I mean, he does like the most beautiful, delicate, you know, I, his, his Batgirl, his Poison Ivy. Oh my God, his Poison Ivy is to die. Yeah. I wish I've DM'd him obsessively back before we even had a podcast or anything. And I was like, can I buy these figures off of you? Especially that Alicia Silverstone Batgirl. Beautiful. Did you, I, don't, I don't know if you saw the ones he posted today, but he posted uh, Harley and Ivy from the Harley Quinn. Show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, with, with, with Ivy's updated look. Oh, I know. Cool. So great. Yeah, And he's he sculpted um, our Harley Quinn uh, that, oh, that we showed at, at, at San Diego Comic-Con. 
Um, so yeah, he's really talented and, and we became buds over, uh, uh, Instagram. And, um, so, and it, yeah, so it was very, I was very fortunate that, that he was, that he did the paint masters for Jubilee and, and Gambit. Um, and the paint masters are just like, this is the definitive colors that we're going to use because I would assume whatever yeah. is rendered digitally is different. Once you start putting it on the figure, I don't. Yeah. So no, so yeah, so it's true. So. And, and I think we sent my digital color treatments to uh, Zalo uh, to kind of go off of, you know, like this is what we're kind of looking for. And obviously it's cell shaded. So like that's, that's another consideration. Um, but so basically what, ha what happens is we, we give a version, we give the 3D files to a 3D printer and they print, you know, they print the it's not like a because it's like resin it's not like a fully articulated action figure so it's like the parts are kind of combined um it, there's like a little bit of movement but it's mostly they're mostly fused together and they're printed in you know 3d printer resin um and uh and so then that is sent to uh tom to to, to zalu 1984 and he uh paints them he you know he hand hand paints the the figures um, and then that's, you know, we obviously that gets shown off at San Diego Comic-Con, but then it also gets sent to the factories and to say like, look, this is what we want it gotcha. to look like. Can, you know, they can try to match, you know, exactly his, you know, his line. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, and, and beyond that, like, I'm still kind of learning like a lot of the, the manufacturing behind the scenes. Um, so I'm not, you know, I, I basically from the 3d printouts and you know the digital files like eventually like steel tooling is made um and so like you know you kind of figure out like how everything should move you figure out like how you test how the figure is going to work and then you know super like expensive like big you know industrial steel tooling is made and those are the molds that you're injecting the plastic into and you know they have to be able to withstand like a lo long production and, and all that and Thank yeah, you I, i'm just really i'm just really curious you mentioned that you know obviously this line is is cell shaded how are you guys like choosing where that shading goes because i think you're definitely doing it more successfully in my opinion than than, than hasbro did i think there's this a little a little wonky in places but y'all's is really good are y'all like copying like exact cells or frames from the show yeah well so fortunately it's like the show is pretty consistent in their, their cell shading. Yeah. So when you think about it. Larry Houston. What's that? Got out Larry Houston. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, cause if you think about it, like, you know, doing stuff from animation is kind of like perfect for like action figure production because like they have to create enough art assets to tell like an animation assembly line. Like this is how it has to look like, you know you always you know you, you, they're not really leaving it up to the animator to like completely dictate like where the yeah. shadows go you know and there's like a lot of guidelines of, like this not this like if this fits direct sunlight like it's not like this uh but anyway like x-men it's like it's like very consistent like sometimes maybe it's flipped but it's like there's always shadow you know on one side uh a, like a rim light highlight on the other side um, so I basically go by that. Like I pick where the light source is going to be. Um, and then this is just for, this is when I'm 
coloring my digital stuff but this is like technically what the concept art ends up being and it's what the paint masters are made from but like but so like you know yeah i mean it, it, and it's and it's amazing how it like really like in zebras it really looks like the show like if i just like leave it pause and don't rotate it's like yep that's the cartoon and then you can rotate it you're like oh my god like you know so it, it's true it's like you just you get that you know it, it's basically you, you get the shadow on one side and you get the highlight on the other side and you know like like gambit's a great example where like you know when you know he has kind of like dark reddish hair technically yeah. um but then in his highlights like a lot of times he has like this bright orange like rim light on his hair so when i put a little bit of that in there on the hair it's like oh wow now it really looks like the show like and you never notice that like color is being a part of like his palette but like once it's there it's like suddenly it just pops you know so yeah well we've 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 mentioned larry houston a few times and the leewalds in their book i'm really curious have you spoken to to any of them directly uh in your research for this line um i have not i really want to <laughs> i really i'm a huge fan so um it was like when i first came on uh there was some talk about like because um because Hector had, had like been working with the the Leewolds and um, had uh, met them a few times, and we got like tons of art assets from them, like you know the the, the storyboards that you know decorate the boxes and stuff. Those are all like original from you know original from the show, yeah, um, that they had. Um, and but it's just like it's kind of it's one of those things where like you know everyone's has like busy schedules and i have to bring it up again like because i definitely want to uh want well next time we have them on we definitely have to for sure i'm sad that you were in in were you in san diego i was not oh you were not because we did uh we did an x-men 30th anniversary panel with them uh, yeah and lenore and they're they're some of the best human beings they're they're legitimately good people they are are so incredible yeah yeah, that's awesome. I got, it, I got, I, yeah, I got. It. But they're they're always doing uh, conventions, you know. <laughs> like, and they're going to be busy next busy year. People. They're going to be so busy next year. Yeah, with with X Men ninety seven rolling out, so it's going to be a big. It's going to be a very exciting time for X Men fans <laughs> uh, for sure. So. So speaking of things rolling out, um, you know, for for a while we we only had the Wolverine figure. We knew things were coming, and then at San Diego Comic Con, things kind of exploded, uh, and we revealed Magneto, who's already been up for pre order, and then we have Jubilee and Gambit uh, in in the pipeline. Um, what what is the rollout plan from from here on out? If if you're allowed to say, can we yeah. are we to assume we can expect figures more frequently now that we've seen a bunch of them? Um, yeah, well, I I, I'll be, I will say that like we're fully committed <laughs> to the yes, uh, so, that's what we like to hear. Batman, like we want to do as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, like we're aware of the sort of like the price points and stuff, and you know, we want we want to be like respectful of you know our customers, <laughs> like what they what uh you know how much how much they can handle at a time. But um, but you know we're like you know. And, and also, obviously, it's like, you know, the line has to do well, but and we're still in the early stages. But like, yeah, we we want to go far with this. <laughs> and, you know, I and, and just personally, like, I want to do the like, the core team. Like, that's my that's my like personal goal, what I want, like, at the very least. So, um, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's a it's a bigger scale. So I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if we'll like if we'll achieve like Marvel Legends <laughs> levels of like do it. You know, like people waiting on us to do like Feral to finish off <laughs> collection. But like you know, like I mean, we're yeah. I mean, we we love making these, and you know, we're we have. We have high hopes for it. I mean, you play, but I would absolutely take a feral both with and without restraining collar. 100%. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Wait, so obviously the core cast, obviously this Jean Grey there. Would would, would would you like to see Jean as Phoenix or with her ponytail 90s outfit? I guess I got to say ponytail. Yes. Yes. And it's probably a holdover from like the original Toy Biz line when I was a kid, and they made the Phoenix version, but not the ponytail Jean. Like she mostly appeared in the cartoon, and I was just like, you know, so like, yeah, part of it is like maybe like, like growing up and like and having like an, an X Men collection that was like missing Jubilee and missing yeah. Jean Grey. It's like part of that is like I just want that like that team complete. Uh, um, and we got Jubilee, so like that's you know there there are many times where I was working on her where I was like oh, I would have given anything if I had this as a kid <laughs> like, anything, anything. <laughs> I mean Generation X Jubilee was great you know for what she was but she wasn't that Jim Lee short denim shorts and, and a hot pink top like that that's the iconic Jubilee that we all wanted and and we never got I I have to say I was. I was gobsmacked to see her so so soon in the line. I just would have expected Storm and Jean and Rogue all ahead of Jubilee. So bravo. I don't know if it was you that insisted on getting her done so quickly, but it was not me, but it, she was in the works when I came on. But, uh, but yeah, it was uh, definitely like, you know, fan favorite character, like, you know, yeah, a lot of love for Jubilee. But even seeing those designs, and how you do them. One thing I really do want to point out for the figures that we have seen right now, and, and hearing you talk right now, talking about how when you look at the dichotomy with these characters, like Storm, she's so tough, but you know she's very tender. Beast, he, he may look very like beastly, but he's actually very intellectual. You capture that dichotomy, especially in Wolverine and Gambit and Jubilee, and and when you just said like this is the figure I wish I had as a kid, I was like, yeah. And not only that, it's done by someone who understands yeah. the core of this character. And that's something you, you can't fake. You cannot can fake tell. <laughs> you can no, tell. You can tell. You can tell when something is just like half-assed and when someone genuinely cares. That's why we're uh, here talking to you. That's why we <laughs> stalked you on Instagram. <laughs> you know? uh, like, thank, yeah, thank you so much. I mean, like, I I do kind of, like, yeah, obviously I'm like a super fan. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy to be doing X-Men uh, animated stuff. But uh, I'm gonna make sure it's like it's right. But um, uh, but also like I do kind of view sculpting almost like acting, uh, in that you sort of, you know, your job is a character, it's a personality. It's it's like you for a month of your time, you are like, in this character. You're you're getting in their head. You're thinking like what makes them tick, and you're trying to like imbue. It, you know you're, you're becoming like you know you're gonna try to become like the expert of this character and you're gonna try to imbue your sculpt with like all of that <laughs> you know that, that's what i like about it at any rate like i love that answer I, I i would have never thought of it kind of like that thinking of it like a, like an actor but it makes so much sense and like that's probably why 
your work has so much personality into it is because you think on, on it on that kind of level. You're not just like, oh, we have this, I mean, no shade to Hasbro, but half of their job is what buck do we have available to make a character on? Whereas you're really from the ground up thinking about what is important to this character, what makes them unique and how do I work that into the figure? Um, and that's just like, the, they're just awesome these figures are just so awesome and I, I have to I have to ask I meant to ask this earlier when we were talking about your design inspiration in the alternate heads uh whose idea was it for Jubilee to have the elf head from the Jubilee uh, fairy tale theater episode <laughs> that was that was that was Hector's idea uh, I'm pretty sure uh because yeah because again it's like anything that's like fun that is you know possibly there's like a little bit outside the box that no one else would do like that's what Mondo wants to, you know, to to ha to make our thing like special and and unique. I think that I'd want I wanted the like the just the long the long hair like yeah. second season thing. Uh, so I made it like so and that like all like kind of fits similarly. But but yeah, I think it was Hector had the idea to do the fairy tale uh, theater jubilee. Um, nice. Which is, yeah, just super fun. Like. Well, the, these alt heads for Magneto, I mean, first of all, you gave us Evil Morph, which, I mean, the entire internet is bursting out in thunderous applause, so thank you for <laughs> Evil Morph. But you also did the Age of Apocalypse head, which that was a blink and you'll miss it, you know, moment yeah. in the X-Men animated series. It's not even right. the comic book version, it's the animated series version. Yeah, but it's Magneto with a beard, and, you know, that just, like, something about it makes sense. Like, I know, like, I think in the comics, like, I, I think it was, like, Joseph who had the beard. Like, I don't think it was even, it even ended up being Magneto. And, like, Joseph, you the greatest X-Man ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I think, but it's, it's just something about it that's, like, cool. And, oh, uh, I totally agree. It got a good response, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so you have all these little winks and nods to, like, you know, just, like, fleeting moments in the series, like the Magneto head and the, the Jubilee uh, elf head. I'm curious, beyond the core cast of the show, I mean, you say this line has legs, y'all want to go with it as far as you can. Who, uh, once you get the core cast out of the way and saying maybe a Mr. Sinister uh, to go with Magneto, who would you want beyond the core cast? Um, when you, so you say the core cast, does that, do you include like Bishop uh, in that? I don't, I don't necessarily include him as core. Because I think, because I think like Bishop is like, like a must, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and I think, um, cable i'd really like to do cable oh yeah um, the wild man of borneo we can't <laughs> yeah. air our episode with lawrence but we made him say wild man of borneo over <laughs> and over again <laughs> that's uh, i love that episode where like they're like teasing like they're like somebody's like causing trouble and it like pans to uh to like a bunch of cables like on the ground and like to tease that like it's cable. I never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. I would have never. Yeah, it's in the Genosha uh, episode. Um, but yeah, uh, but I just like that like color scheme, like the sort of like, green gloves, and yeah. and also it probably goes back to like seeing that like anime intro where like yeah. uh, cables like with the team, and again thinking like, wait, is cable like in, with the X Men now? Like that's so cool. Like we wished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be on like Nightcrawler. Gotta do Nightcrawler. Like he's he's a big favorite. So uh, yeah, 
All nice. of them. Every character. Every single character. Every single one. <laughs> I'm just going to make a, a, a plea for Dark Phoenix. That's it. That's the yeah. only one I'm going to say. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I want to do, you know, back to your previous question. Like, I want to do Jean Grey. I want to do Phoenix. I want to do Dark Phoenix. Like, you know. Please. We'll take it all. Yes, oh, please. Really? I think yeah. <laughs> Jean Grey stands vote with their dollars. So rest assured, they will sell out. I want to do Jean Grey with the, like, turquoise blouse yeah. and mom <laughs> yeah. pants mom, mom pants yeah and the like you know you know crazy flip uh you know hairdo yes absolutely all, all the jeans so i you know y'all y'all's focus is obviously uh the animated series but something that was fun that 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 mondo did for the wolverine release that i that i have right here is they actually released uh, a deco in his brown uniform yeah. and dubbed it the pride of the x-men uh variant I'm, I'm just curious is there is there any sort of desire at mondo to to do more pride of the x-men or arcade based characters or is it just purely animated series is the focus for now um there's 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 definitely desire um i love pride of the x-men like you know well the toy animation right there yeah i mean no, this animation beautiful on that show like you know just that or that pilot like just yeah just exquisite um you know i i think you know with with the wolverine it was like well this is a a easy repaint like this right. makes sense like um and with like a few swappable parts so like sort of thinking in the in those terms um i don't it's one of those things where it's like you know if it makes sense like yes like it's on the table um I mean, I'd I want like Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, uh, Dazzler from from that uh, whole series. <laughs> you know, like uh, I'd take all of it. But... Dazzler yeah. would rock. Well, I'm I you know obviously a rogue hasn't been uh, announced at this point, but I just would like to point out that Rogue has a very similar kind of silhouette as Dazzler in Pride of the X Men, the spandex mm-hmm. bodysuit yeah. with the little jacket over. I'm just just. And even a headband. I'm just putting the. I'm just you know putting that out there. Not wrong. You're not. I mean, wrong. I'm the, I'm a dazzler stand. I can't believe I've gone this long without without mentioning her. But she's 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 my favorite comic book character. So definitely want want her Pride of the X Men. Hope we can get to her in her totally cool. inaccurate red hair uh, from the oh, animated right, series. Yeah. Just planting the, the the seed for for whatever dazzler we can get. I loved her voice in that. In that cartoon, yeah. though, that was a that's good how point. I hear her. I yeah. hear her like that in, in the in the comics. Singing body heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Alex, we've kept you on for like almost two hours at this point, but we wanted, we do want to ask you about Super Seven and the work you do over sure. there. What, what what can you tell us about the projects you have done? Um. So I worked on. I got to do uh the scratch the cat for the tmnt uh animated line uh, or T- tmnt ultimates um which is really fun uh because like you know obviously the like if you're familiar with the history of that figure it's like one of the more rare uh yeah. ninja turtles figures and i was i went to the you know the fabled uh frankensons uh not too long ago and they have you know a, a mint on card scratch in like a case there for like you know, a couple thousand dollars. I, I did not, I'm googling this as you were talking. I had no idea. Yeah, he's a super. I mean, that's. I think that's like kind of why 
uh, Super 7 ended up doing him because oh, yeah. it does have that sort of like that legend, you know, around it. Yeah. Like, it's like, you, you know, because it was like late in the line, no one bought him, no one held yeah. on to him, and now he's he just great. this holy grail. Uh, so that was like really fun to to work on. Um, I just also love that line. So getting to so much being the sculpt that and, and I did um I worked on some of the the Thundercats, which uh the, the ones I've done have not been announced. So those will be sometime in the future. future. Uh Silverhawks, I did some of them. Uh and I did uh Gorilla Gorilla for um for uh Ninja Turtles. Uh, I did another character that hasn't been announced for TMNT, uh, and and then some, and then Godzilla, their their ultimates, Godzilla, um, which was really fun, really cool. I just I I collect the TMNT ultimates, and I've been tempted by so many others. Like I want to jump into the Simpsons. I've kind of wanted to yeah. to do Disney. I've kind of like there's always something from Super Seven to tempt me and yet somehow there there's always more i'm always hoping uh that that, that they'll give us more i i'm curious yeah. you know they they seem to sort of specialize in like updates to these great 80s and and 90s uh toy lines that we all collected when we were kids i'm curious um as a collector from the same era we we you know collected uh what sort of what line would you hope to see or or work on in the super seven ultimates uh format well I'll, i'm gonna say this, i'm gonna give the the answer that i hear a lot of people <laughs> say but it's true it's the truth for me is i would love to see them do uh the real ghostbusters oh yeah um, and janine oh yeah yeah i mean and, and, hair raising feature yeah. <laughs> And and you know the way they do it is they'd have like you know wave one we would have probably have like one of the Ghostbusters and then like a yeah. bunch of cool ghosts that like were yeah. never made into toys and and it would be awesome if they did like swappable heads so you could have like a cartoon accurate head one that looked like the Kenner toy and then like a fright features like that maybe didn't have the feature but was just sculpted to look yeah. Like you know, really crazy. So I think the bug eyes and the raised hair exactly. and all of the things that those toys or the tongues out that they were all so yeah. famous for. I think that would be so fun. And it fits perfectly with like the rest of their like eighties cartoon oeuvre. So, um, so yeah, I would say that's like the main thing I'd want from them. Do you freelance for them or do you, are you on? I like, did, I did, but now, now I'm with, you know, Oh now, yeah. Now you're with fully with Mondo. Yeah. I, I think for me, my dream ultimates from them would probably, I don't know why I get, well, I know why it's because of the team and T ultimates. I am like hung up on them doing remakes of playmates lines. Yeah. So I really want the, I want Dick Tracy oh, uh, yeah. and I want the Jim Lee wildcats. I would kill to have either of those. Yeah. Wildcats. I mean, anyone doing wildcats would be like really fun. Like, cause I mean, it's, it's so like, so x-men adjacent you know yeah. it's like you know the jim lee designs are really cool i mean i'm surprised there isn't like way more like at least like zealot uh you know merchandise out there i agree um, we we did just get mcfarlane did a grifter uh, a modern grifter but yeah. that's just not he doesn't have that 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 sort of quasi gambit vibe because yeah. he's not in the big oversized trench coat you need full jim lee treatment and um my, my buddy dave wheeler is a huge Thun uh, Wildcats fan yeah, uh, who's always like you know dreams of of a 
line revival at some point. I would kill for it. Would kill for it. I guess it is like they are owned by DC, right? Right. That's unless like Jim Lee has some sort of like his own (laughs) ownership over it. But like, but yeah, I think it's probably locked up uh, with locked up with McFarlane. Ah, Alex. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you tonight. Where can folks at home hit you up, engage with you, spam you with the request for Dazzler and Jean Grey <laughs> yeah. figures? Just know I'm, fight, I'm fighting for all of it. Like, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm the only guy on the inside. I'm, you know, I'm I'm advocating for all this, all these characters. Um, uh, first of all, the pleasure's all mine. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, if people want to look at my some of my work, um, they can find me at, at fanplastic4, F-O-U-R, um, uh, on Instagram. Uh, that's my, like, handle, fanplastic4. <laughs> um, I love that. Trust so, yeah, me. That's where, that's where my stuff is. <laughs> well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time. The Age of Apocalypse is over. For now. <laughs>